I'm Jay Croucher here with an in motion Drew Dinsick uh, in a car driving through Northern California. Drew, good to see you, mate. Uh, we're going to talk today about Jets, Broncos, Chiefs, Vikings, Cowboys, Niners, uh, and then get to our best bets. But let's start, Drew, with Jets, Broncos. Broncos are two and a half point favorites now. The line is trending towards three. The total is 43 and a half. Do you agree with the Broncos being this aggressively favored? I do. I think it should be more. Uh, the entire yeah, the entire study of week five, as I see it in a macro sense, is how, mu- how fast are you willing to come off your priors, right? The market has pretty aggressively adjusted a number of teams based on what they've seen through four weeks. Uh, and with the Broncos, uh, because the defense was so poor, particularly two weeks ago, um, there's been a pretty healthy adjustment down um, in terms of team rating for this Broncos team. Uh, let's not forget that preseason, the Broncos were expected to be a nine win team, eight or nine win team. Like this was, you know, they, they weren't, you know, in the mix for a playoff spot, but they were, you know, or in a pole position for a playoff spot, but they were definitely in the mix. And I think um, that, the absence of Justin Simmons, Josie Jewell, uh, you know, the, the laundry list of players that they've been missing on defense has been very, very long in the last handful of weeks. And that's influenced, uh, you know, the poor quality of play we've seen from that side of the ball. Uh, these guys, I'm expecting a lot of them will be back. Uh, and the Broncos defense all of a sudden is going to be at full strength at home, taking on uh, a Zach Wilson uh, led Jets offense that is coming off of their best performance of all time that still wasn't enough to get a win against the Chiefs. So uh, I think Zach Wilson, I'm perfectly fine with a small, you know, uh, time frame sell high on him uh, and a buy low on a Broncos defense that's getting healthier. Uh, And then the other side of the ball, there's not much to really handicap here. The Broncos offense is not good, but that, but they're fine. Uh, and going up against the Jets defense that looks a little bit more vulnerable than I think we expected to start the season, particularly through the air. Um, this sets up pretty well, I think, for the Broncos to get a pretty comfortable win. Uh, I would expect that there's going to be uh, you know a handful of Jets turnovers in this game, largely because I like the uh, you know ability of Pat Sertan to lock down Garrett Wilson, and I think you're going to see Zach Wilson trying to throw into tight coverage that uh, all all of a sudden will result and maybe some short fields for the Broncos. So um, even more than I like the Broncos at minus two and a half, I, I, I would take them on all spreads. I think there's a realistic chance here that the Broncos getting the Jets at altitude this early in the season coming off of uh, what we saw last week and getting healthier um, might be the much better team in this spot. Okay, interesting. I think we're on other sides of this. I don't understand why the Broncos defense has been so bad to this point. And it's not just the Miami game, but like why are they giving up 28 to the Bears, I don't understand why this doesn't look more like the defense of last year, even like completely lit up by the commanders as well. And now they're going up against the Jets team that, look, it's very difficult to trust Zach Wilson, but that's the best I've ever seen him play. For the first time, that looked like a real, just viable NFL offense, even if it wasn't great. Um, The fact that he was able to do that in that position, the fact that uh, Brees Hall, who no longer has... Uh, pitch count effectively he looked the healthiest that he has I don't know if Wilson is going to be anything like the quarterback he was on Sunday then the Jets are a better team than Denver Uh, obviously that's uh, counting on a lot given that he's got a lot of track record of not being that guy but just showing that level of competence still they've got the better defense than Denver Uh, if I were to be on the Jets I don't like that uh, DJ Reed 
uh, has not been practicing. Uh, they've got some other injuries as well to deal with, but Denver also have their own injury concerns. So, yeah, I don't know. I do think that Russell Wilson looking as, again, competent as he has uh, is the best thing that the Broncos have going for them at the moment. But uh, I'm surprised that this is trending towards three, though certainly the market uh, agrees with you here. Mm. If you like the Broncos' defense, do you think there's any upside for them the rest of the season? I mean, they win this, they're two and three and kind of vaguely back in the playoff mix. Yeah, so this is actually probably the part one of a multi-week buy on the Broncos. Um, They play on Thursday Night Football next week against the Mighty Chiefs. Uh, We'll get to the Chiefs in a second, Um, but my expectation is if the Broncos do well in this game, if they cover by margin, if the defense looks good, people are just going to be like, ah, well, shame on me for believing in Zach Wilson, right? They're not going to be like, oh, the Broncos are healthy on defense, and all of a sudden they're much better than the team that conceded 70 points. Uh, So I think realistically there is an opportunity to probably buy low on the Broncos next week, Um, and then I forget who the Broncos opponent is after the Chiefs, but then it's the Chiefs again. (laughs) So they get the Chiefs twice in the next three weeks, and uh, you know I think both of those games to me look like market's going to give you, I don't know, maybe double-digit points on the road and seven points at home. Uh, I'm probably going to take Broncos in both of those instances, just knowing that this Broncos offense under Sean Payton is a heck of a lot more. Um, I don't even really know what the word is, but just coherent, uh, you know, just able to just functional, really, uh, as opposed to uh, Nathaniel Hackett's offense last year, who, oh, by the way, is going to be in Denver with uh, Zach Wilson and company this weekend. Yeah, revenge game. I'm riding with my man, Nathaniel Hackett. He's never let me down, Drew, never. Uh, the line was minus one a couple of days ago. Now it's minus two and a half, and the minus two and a half is being backed. So certainly there's someone in the market who agrees with you. That's fine. I'll, uh, I'll ride with Zach Wilson. No shame in doing that. All right, before we get to a better quarterback than Zach Wilson, uh, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday during the football season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon Eastern or he airs at 4 p.m. and is available on our NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. The Chiefs are only three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Minnesota Vikings. The total has come down a little bit. It's now 52 and a half. Do you think that this is too light of a spread for Patrick yeah. Mahomes? Without question. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm against the market on this one big time. I haven't been playing into it yet, and I think there is a pretty unique way to play into this, and I think you're going to like it. <laughs> and I think you probably know where I'm going with this. Um, but the Chiefs are going to score here at will. Uh, the Vikings have – they really just don't have the personnel to run the type of defense they want to be. And when you're up against Bryce Young and the Panthers, that doesn't matter. When you're up against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, that matters a ton. And I think that the Chiefs in this spot in particular, uh, the, the Vikings have to kind of make the, you know, they have, they have two terrible choices. Do we tack away from who we want to be with a blitz-heavy approach, knowing that a blitz-heavy approach is going to get us cooked against Pat Mahomes, because it always does? Or do we try to, uh, you know, just stick to who we are uh, and, you know, let ourselves get uh, exposed? And I would say that either of those choices doesn't matter. The Chiefs are scoring into the 30s here. I think Pat Mahomes probably going to have his most impressive statistical game of the season, which means if you want to attack this game, I don't mind laying three and a half with the Chiefs. I doubt it gets to three. I think there'll be some pretty strong support for the Chiefs as we get to the close here. Um, and uh, I like their team total over, but even more than all that, Jay, it's time. It's time. It's time. I mean, look at the remaining schedule here for the Chiefs in terms of 
defense is it's been time it's been time but like this is kind of the sell high on josh allen uh, he's had three weeks in a row where he hasn't been turning over the ball uh people are you know more confident than ever that the bills are uh you know the best team in the nfl uh i think the chiefs are right there the chiefs are going to improve throughout the season and oh by the way they get six games left in division against the Broncos defense, who I know I'm making a case that they're better than a team that gave up 70 points, but they're still not very good. Not good enough to keep the, uh, the chiefs into, uh, you know, the, the twenties or the teens. Um, and so he's got two games coming up against the Broncos. He's got two games left against the chargers whose past defense has been absolutely woeful this season and two games left against the Raiders. Uh, you, there's really not a lot of especially strong pass defenses left on his schedule. Uh, and I think you're buying into a Pat Mahomes and a Chiefs team that is coming off of a very, very tough game against the Jets defense that always plays the elite quarterbacks well. Uh, and now you're kind of buying, put, you know, you're buying as low as you're going to buy, I think, on him because he puts up a couple of weekends in a row here of impressive statistical numbers and people are going to remember, Oh yeah, he's the best quarterback. He's the best player in the NFL. And I think his MVP price could cater, you know, crater from something like six to one into the, you know, two to one range. So uh, I think this is the time. Does that all make sense to you? Yes, it does. And I think people have really cooled on Mahomes after he did literally get outplayed by Zach Wilson and threw two just terrible picks. But the thing is, is two things. One, they won the game. And when you win the game, that is gives you a certain floor or it gives you certain protection as to how much you can drift. And then, like, he threw two picks. Like, that's fine. That doesn't sink you. It's not great, but it doesn't sink you. And the fact that they came out of that game with the win and a game they really could have lost, now all of a sudden he's 3-1 and one, where kind of everything has gone wrong for the offense. Mahomes, he, he leads the league in terms of drop pass percentage. So he's gotten as unlucky as any quarterback could that will get better as Kadarius Tony gets healthier, as Rasheed Rice gets more integrated, as Kelsey becomes Kelsey more and more. And to your point about the defenses on tap, you have Minnesota, Denver, Chargers, who just got rid of JC Jackson, not really sure what they're going to do at corner. Denver again, Miami, he's lucky that he's going to face Miami before Jalen Ramsey comes back. So I agree. And also a semi-relevant thing for MVP is that he gets to play Josh Allen at Arrowhead. And I think that's kind of material. Like that's a three, three and a half point swing right there in terms of that individual matchup, which could very well end up being the tiebreaker for the one seed. So I, th- I still think from day one, I think we've agreed. Mahomes should be favorite to win this award. I still think, I mean, Allen is pretty scary. Allen's very, very good. Uh, I'm against Josh Allen in that market and I don't feel great about it. But the thing that comforts me there is that the Bills have the hardest remaining schedule in football. Uh, and they're at a disadvantage travel-wise uh, this week against Jacksonville. So hoping Jacksonville can sneak that one out somehow. But I agree. I think that I think that the Mahomes is the bet for MVP, still on the plus 550, plus 600 range. I think the Chiefs, three and a half, are the bet here. Just quietly, the Chiefs have the fifth best defense in the NFL by EPA per play. And Patrick Mahomes is as good as he ever was. He's just getting unlucky with the drops and then, you know, had a bad game against the Jets. So I agree. I don't really understand this line. Kirk Cousins quietly was terrible against Carolina. Uh, And I think that this is a better defense than that. I think that the Chiefs will get right. I think Mahomes is going to have two bad games in a row. And also, by the way, good luck blitzing. Patrick Mahomes, Brian Flores. You know what happens when you blitz Patrick Mahomes? You die and you lose. And the Vikings, I think, are going to lose this game. And the Chiefs, I think, will cover three and a half. All right. 
Before we get to uh, the blockbuster, Sunday Football, Cowboys, Niners, get your popcorn ready, Drew. So all the stars will be out in Northern California where you're headed. So I believe you're driving away from the stadium currently, foolishly. Uh, when Micah Parsons and the Cowboys clash with Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers, coverage of this battle between two of the best teams in the NFC begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. All right, the Niners are three-and-a-half-point favourites over ostensibly uh, the second-best team in the NFC, arguably, in the Cowboys, and the total is 45. Now, three-and-a-half-point line at home, that implies that the market thinks that the Niners are better than the Cowboys on neutral, uh, perhaps materially better, uh, and I think... I think that might be a – I mean, I think they're the better team. I'm not sure they're this much better. Uh, But what's your read on this game, Drew? You're right. I am driving the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) I should be going to to, uh, Santa Clara for that one because that's the best – Yeah, it's the best best game of the the second quarter of the season, I think, by margin. Uh, And it's the most consequential in terms of seeding because these are the two teams that I would say I have the highest confidence are going to be battling for the one seed. So this is hugely consequential in terms of uh, getting the one seed and getting the inside track to getting to the Super Bowl because let's – Let's be honest. In the current setup for the uh, playoff picture, if you are, uh, you know, if you are through to the second week uh, without having to face a wild card team, your your probability goes up enormously. Uh, and then, if you are home for an NFC Championship game rematch, then again, huge, huge uh, positive in your favor in terms of equity, championship equity. Um, the matchup in particular here that I'm most excited about seeing is what this Cowboys defense has in terms of answers for a very, very, very fast skill position group that the Niners are bringing to the table here. Uh, we saw the Cowboys defense struggle quite a lot, I thought, with uh, the speed of the Arizona Cardinals in their head-to-head a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know that that's something that the scheme can necessarily fix if your linebackers are slow and if you're having issues uh, you know, with just in general closing the gap when and, and kind of preventing yak. Um, if you are a poor defensive team in terms of preventing yak, you know who you don't want to see on your schedule? The 49ers. And so I think if Brock Purdy can remain as kind of consistent as he has been throughout his career at this point uh, and continue to get lucky in terms of not not uh, having the back-breaking turnovers, then the Niners are going to score some points here. And then the game and you know, the cover and the outcome kind of pivots to how does this Cowboys offense match up against uh, the toughest defense they will have faced this season. And the Niners' defense, for what it's worth, has not been as dynamic as what we saw at the end of last season. I thought last, you know, to, to end 2022, the 49ers defense was performing at a level that we rarely see. Like it was all time, all time great stuff. And so far this season, maybe just because they haven't had to, uh, they're just, they're good. Right. Some of the run defense is a little, well, I wonder what's going on there. The pass rush hasn't been as effective. Nick Bosa uh, not performing at the same level as some of the other elite defensive players in the NFL. And, you know, it's, it's possible that, the defense overall in the absence of uh, Demeco Ryans has taken a small step backwards. So um, to me, I, I think the style of play that the Cowboys want to be under Mike McCarthy's offense is a little bit of an unknown here because we haven't seen them in a neutral game state. They have been either blowing teams out or at a huge deficit in the case of the Cardinals game. And so they're a little bit of a, uh, an unknown and a little bit of a question mark. But what I have seen, at least in early games, scripted portion of the offense for the Cowboys is a team that wants to be quick pass, 
they want to be a rhythm offense. They want to try to get, uh, you know, short, short yardage completions and then, you know, generate yards after the catch opportunities for their receivers. And they don't, I think that will work against this Niners defense, at least as currently uh, the way that they are currently playing. So um, I don't have a strong opinion on what the right side is here between the Niners and the Cowboys. My fair is three. So if I had to take a side in a contest or something, I would take the Cowboys at three and a half. Um, but I do think that the uh, total is a little bit too low. I think this is being a little bit influenced by last year's playoff game, which, you know, was a somewhat of a mislead. And, you know, you rewatch it and you're like, oh, that was a dead nut under. Um, you know, but there, there were a couple of funky things that happened in that game that really kept that from turning into a score and answer type of contest. Uh, and I think that uh, this particular matchup lends itself to both of these offenses finding success. And this may turn into, uh, you know, sort of an end of game efficiency who has the ball last, who can kind of make the, the key special teams plays uh, in terms of getting the ultimate win. So small lean for me at Cowboys at the current price of three and a half, but I think there's a decent edge to be had on the over at, in the 45 and uh, 45 range. Uh, and just for, for context, um, my, uh, you know, my, my median score uh, in this game would be uh, 47. Uh, and again, my median, um, uh, you know, side and win this one would be uh, Niners minus three so um, 47 it's, uh, as long as it's under that number but by the time we get to, to the weekend then I'm going to be playing this over yep I think that makes sense I agree I uh, wouldn't feel great about it particularly after seeing what Dak Prescott did against the Niners defense in the playoffs or rather didn't do uh, but if I had to choose a side it would be Cowboys plus three and a half and the reason why is that the sneaky thing about San Francisco is that I don't think their offensive line is great outside of Trent Williams. I think it's a weakness of the team. And you don't want your weakness to be offensive line going up against Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence and co. Uh, Parsons is banged up at the moment, but it seems like he's going to be good to go. Uh, interesting tweet from uh, Aaron Schotts, the uh, creator of DVOA. He said the Cowboys are currently number one in defensive DVOA against passes to the left and passes to the right. Number 27 against passes in the middle of the field. Uh, and that is where Kyle Shanahan does tend to like to throw the ball to the middle of the field. So it's going to be uh, a fantastic spectacle in terms of ways to bet this game outside of the line and the total. I think there's a good chance one of two things happens after this game. I think if the Cowboys win, I think it's very likely off of their pass rush and being able to overwhelm that offensive line. And then there's a good chance that Micah Parsons is just minus 110 for Defensive Player of the Year on Monday morning. Or if the Niners beat them and either beat them handily or there's some Brock Purdy magic down the end, I think there's a good chance that Brock Purdy is just going to be like plus 650 in the market to win MVP and it will finally click for people that Brock Purdy has never lost a regular season game and leads the league in passer rating and QBR and EPA per play. And he's actually pretty good independent of his context. He's still 25 to 1 to an MVP, which is just completely insane to me. The idea that Christian McCaffrey can be shorter for MVP than Brock Purdy. So, look, I think with Parsons, because that field is so loaded, uh, I don't think there's a ton of meat on the bone at the plus 175, plus 200 prices right now. I think he's neck and neck with Miles Garrett and TJ Watt is still there looming. But Brock Purdy, I, I wouldn't wait for that one because that price, I think, is just going to cave at any moment. Uh, and I think that he is the bet. The other bet, Drew, in this market, um, not to even say the words out loud because they hurt, but Kyle Shanahan, Coach of the Year, 
there is it is starting. I was going to gonna ask you about this. It is starting yeah. to swell in the Twitter sphere, uh, on the televisions. Starting to see more and more buzz about Kyle Shanahan uh, and a career achievement award coach of the year. When are we finally going to recognize this guy, Drew? Probably should have been last year, but I think it may well be this year. This team has a legitimate chance to get to 15 plus wins. Uh, certainly 14 plus wins is very much in the cards. I think that they are the clear favorite to have the best record in football. And then you have to think about, all right, well, what beats what beats a Shanahan 14 or 15 win team, let alone 16, which isn't out of the realm of possibility either. So what beats that? I guess like D'Amico Ryan's going 11 and 6, Mike McDaniel maybe going 14 and 3, getting the one seed, uh, overcoming the powerful Buffalo Bills. Todd Bowles going 13 and four and winning that division uh, and just lapping an easy schedule down the stretch. Maybe, uh, I don't know. But I think that Shanahan, uh, the fact that he has never won it, the fact that he was so close last year, I think there's some Monty Williams, Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year aspect where Monty wins it the next year, uh, despite having taken his team to the finals the year before, where there is some latent recognition for what Shanahan has done. And I think that he is just so respected and the fact also that one of the two favorites in the market is Mike McDaniel, a Shanahan disciple. And the idea that McDaniel would win it before Shanahan does, eh, I don't know. I think that Shanahan is the best bet uh, in this market at the moment. There's still some 12 to 1 available. I think that is that is much too big. What do you reckon? Could not agree with you more. I think 16 wins. There is no, there is no um, other narrative that beats 16 wins. It's not like that, you know, that that can that can go unrecognized. Um, it's your point about Mike McDaniel is pretty good, too. You know, who else is a Shanahan disciple? Uh, the reason that the Houston Texans are good. It's not it's not Demeco Ryan's <laughs> defensive coordinating. It's Bobby Slowick, <laughs> who is another Shanahan guy. Uh, and, you know, Ben Johnson is doing a Shanahan impersonation in Detroit, like literally what Shanahan has introduced to the NFL uh, is the only successful offense that we're seeing outside of Sean McVay and the Rams. And, you know, those guys are contemporaries and shared a lot of the same ideas. So, you know, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing what you know his impact has been on the NFL. Uh, it would be a heck of a makeup for last year. It would be a perfect career achievement. Uh, and I think it is absolutely worth having some Shanahan in your portfolio, if not the only or largest stake at this point, considering the fact that if the Niners get this win, and again, market thinks that it's better than better than a fifty-five percent chance that, that they're winning this game against the Cowboys by uh, you know you know three and a half point spreads tells you that um, you know if they win this game, this is probably the toughest game on their schedule, uh, and they'll be the last undefeated team. Uh, they you know six fifteen wins I think is very much in the you know the the body of the distribution for the outcomes for these guys. Sixteen is possible. I, even 17 is possible. Like, I don't want to jinx it by saying it out loud, but uh, I don't know who's beating uh, this Niners team if it's not the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of upside here. The um, the Brock Purdy MVP thing is interesting, too. He scored 30 points in every single one of his starts, except for the game against the Cowboys in the playoffs last year. Like, that's kind of insane. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough for me to get to the point where I – really believe that the voting block will like just man up, you know, just acknowledge it. Right. Just, okay, fine. We get it. He's good. We're going to give him the MVP. I think it's 
that's going to there's going to have to be a year where he gets votes but doesn't win before he's like anchored to people believing that it could be possible. So I'm going to probably sit out the um, uh, the Brock Purdy MVP this year. Um, and, you know, I don't think that there's upside for Nick Bosa defensive player of the year, although certainly he was. You know, 21 looks appealing considering he's as talented as the guys at the top of the market and, you know, maybe gets healthier and continues to you know perform well. Um, I'm a little bit of a seller on Christian McCaffrey, offensive player of the year, because I think there's a possibility he misses time at some point this season. Um, but uh, Shanahan coach of the year is that's that's music to my ears. I think it's uh, absolutely worth having some stake in that. Yeah, I think 16 and 1 is pretty close to one beatable for Shanahan. 15 and 2, he's probably favorite against the field, uh, very, very close. And then 14 and 3, he can still win. In that scenario, I'd make him a dog to the field, but he could still uh, very conceivably win. So, look, I think the players that is back both Shanahan and Purdy and get as much awards equity out of the presumptive best record in the league and then maybe Shanahan gets the credit maybe Purdy gets more of the credit or maybe it's like Lamar Jackson and John Harbour in 2019 where they just both win uh, which I think is possible as well all right before we get to our best bets a reminder that Saturday October 7th at 11 a.m eastern Vaughn Dalzell Brad Thomas and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for week six I'll handicap multiple top 25 matchups on Saturday, including Dylan Gabriel and number 12, Oklahoma, taking on number three, Texas, in another edition of the Red River Rivalry. What's your best bet for week five, Drew? Somewhat controversial because there are people that are lining up to be on the other side of this, uh, but I don't mind uh, because I, uh, I'm pretty excited about what I think is a, a decent uh, spot here for Philadelphia to get a healthy cover uh, against the Rams. We teased this earlier this week. I'm all about the brotherly love this, uh, you know, this Sunday. Um, this matchup to me looks pretty almost identical to the Monday night football game where the uh, Eagles went on the road uh, and comfortably covered against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you are angry that I am equating uh, Matt Stafford to Baker Mayfield, well, Stafford is definitely a better player, but he is playing injured. uh, And I think that matters. That's not the huge key angle though, because I think really the Eagles defensive line and what they can do in winning the war in the trenches in this particular game is what I'm the most excited about. Um, Because if you can generate pressure on Stafford, it doesn't matter if he's healthy or not, he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to uh, struggle. And, you know, as long as you're not doing it via blitz and leaving him opportunities to read the defense, find the open man and hurt you down the field. uh, If you can just get pressure with your front four, which the Eagles can, uh, then I think that is sort of the perfect uh, recipe for stopping the Rams offense. The flip side of the equation, this Rams defense is still very susceptible. I think the data that exists through four weeks that tells you that this is an average defense is a little bit influenced by just some pretty lucky stuff that has happened to them over the balance of this season. Uh, I think this Eagles offense is going to have relatively little resistance getting into uh, the high 20s here. And what makes me the most excited about backing the Eagles under a touchdown is if this team has a one score lead, uh, you know, know, if they're leading by seven in the fourth quarter at any point in time, we have already seen the recipe of them putting together a nine minute drive that wipes out the fourth quarter and, uh, you know, puts away the game. So the Eagles kind of have um, exactly the right sort of makeup to know when to go for it uh, and uh, and to, to really get the most out of all of the situations that happen in-game offensively. So uh, really nothing bad I can say about the Eagles. At some point this season, I think there will be a sell 
position on the Eagles. It's probably coming up relatively soon. Um, but this game to me just uh, screams this is uh, Eagles or pass. Yep. Well, I hope you're wrong, Drew, because I need the Eagles to start losing some games as someone very invested in the Niners and Cowboys. So I hope your bet wins, uh, but the Eagles lose, which could be difficult for them to cover minus four and also lose the game outright. You, you but, know what the uh, you know in the cell is? It's coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's on Sunday Night Football, and it's against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then you can continue to sell them against the Chiefs and against the Bills and against the Niners and against the Cowboys and against the Cowboys again. I mean, the the schedule for the Eagles through sort of the meat of the season is so bad. I think they're going to need to um, basically hold on for dear life and win their final three games against the Giants, Cardinals, Giants in order to get a wild card spot. That's my general read on this team. Yeah, they their past day is going to get really stressed, uh, and I think it's going to break because it's not great at the moment. Uh, so I am with you there. Uh, my best bet this week, Drew, is the Detroit Lions minus ten home to the Carolina Panthers. Looks like looks like Amon Ross St. Brown is going to play, despite some concerns about his abdomen. And the big news here, Drew, is that uh, Zach Wilson isn't one of the two worst quarterbacks in the NFL anymore. Now it's Desmond Ritter and Bryce Young. Bryce Young has been horrific, uh, and his offensive line is terrible. He has no weapons whatsoever. He looks completely lost out there. The defense isn't very good either. And now they're going up against a Detroit team that is coming off extra rest that sneakily has a defense that I think is comfortably above average with the way that Aiden Hutchinson is playing, uh, which is at a fringe DPOY level. Uh, I don't think he's quite that tier one with those top three, but he's probably the next guy along with the Nick Boses of the world. Uh, Brian Branch has come in and been a weapon straight away. He's been hugely helpful for them. And then Jared Goff is playing. Look, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to win MVP, but he's playing at a kind of fringe MVP level. He's been excellent. The offensive line is still all world and in that tier right behind the Eagles and co. They get Jameson Williams back, which I don't think he's going to do a ton, but he's just another weapon who adds to Amon Ra. Uh, Josh Reynolds, who's just rock solid. And then Sam Laporta, who quietly is having the greatest rookie tight end season in NFL history and can't even crack uh, the top six or so in rookie of the year odds because the class is so loaded. So, I think the Lions are for real. I think they are the fourth best team in the NFC. Uh, I think that they are a team as well that can really protect and extend a lead with the way that they're able to run the ball with that offensive line, with David Montgomery, with Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I think they're going to annihilate Carolina, and I can't really find any reasons to feel optimistic about the Panthers in this one. What do you think? No, I no no disagreement at all. This is the the, the Carolina. There, we could go on and on about the problems with Carolina. Uh, I don't see how they have a way into this game. This feels a lot like a rerun of what we saw two weeks ago with Lions Falcons, where the Lions can kind of pick their score and they can keep the uh, uh, the Panthers under ten points. Uh, key question for you, Jay: um, Do we just need to bet the Lions every week? in order to cover the Kyle Shanahan position, because what is, we didn't mention Dan Campbell in the coach of the year talk, but like he's, he, he probably going to get a top two seed. His schedule is so much easier than the, uh, the rest of, I mean, you know, the, the, the Niners schedule is easy too, which is why I think it's not crazy to think that they could win 16 games. Um, but it's not crazy to think that the lions could win 14 games is a 14 win Dan Campbell lions team. That's a two seed. Uh, does he, does, is he split the vote with Shani? Uh, Campbell wins in that scenario because it's the Lions. It's kind of like 
it's the same reason that Thibodeau won on the Knicks. Like the Knicks were just so insipid of a franchise. It's the same reason Dayball won last year where the Giants were so insipid. The thing is with the Lions, they did come into the season as the fourth favorite to win the NFC and the clear favorite to win their divisions. And they won nine games last year. So look, I think he has to win 13 games to have any chance. 12 and five Lions team. I just don't, I, I understand the appeal of Dan Campbell and the hard knocks thing. And the fact that he's just a massive bloke and a movie character as much as a uh, as much as a football head coach, but uh, and I do think that the people that the voters will want to vote for, just in terms of personality and story, it's Dan Campbell, it's D'Amico Ryan's, it's Mike McDaniel, and I and I think it's Kyle Shanahan. I think those are the four guys, and you could argue even that Campbell would get more of a push than anyone, just because it's the Lions, uh, but. Uh, I do think they do have some spots on their schedule where they can slip up their final three games. And look, as we saw last year, I don't think week 18 really matters that much for this kind of award unless it knocks you out of a one seed of the playoffs. It's week 16 and 17, which are the really high leverage games. And the Lions in those two spots, they go at Minnesota uh, and then at Dallas in prime time. So I need Micah Parsons to uh, to end Dan Campbell's Coach of the Year candidacy in Week 17. And I think he might. Uh, I have faith in that. Because outside of that, I mean, they have other tough games. Like they have at Baltimore, they have at Chargers. There'll be dogs in those games, one would expect. At New Orleans, which by that time, maybe the Saints have figured some things out uh, in a couple of months. So look, it's not an absolute cakewalk. It is not very difficult. Uh, and I think that the Lions are probably going to go 12 and 5 and be right in the mix. And then a bit of luck takes them to 13 and 4, in which case he's got a very solid case. And 14 and 3, he becomes pretty formidable. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm afraid of Dan Campbell. I would make him the favorite in that market just because I'm more confident in him getting to 13 and 4 than I am in Shanahan getting to 15 and 2. Just, I guess that's somewhat close, but just the Lions' schedule is easy enough. Uh, so yeah, I think he's the favorite, but look, I don't think he's really a bet at market prices. I still don't think he's more than a 20% max chance to win. Uh, and look, you got to fade the max 20% chances to win if they're not valued, Drew. So, uh, hopefully Micah Parsons can save us, uh, in that spot. Yeah. All right. I like it. Yep. All right. We are done. A reminder, uh, you can go through our past shows, uh, in the podcast feed or on YouTube to check out our handicaps of effectively every other game uh, on the NFL schedule this week. And also don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks everyone watching on the YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening as a podcast. And another reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you next week. 